Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. How many of you have been blessed tonight, this morning? How many of you are enjoying our carol service? Okay. I'm so honored. I'm so honored. I don't know why I enjoy saying tonight. And um, how many of you know I love to write? Okay, the four people who know. Uh, so we, I'll tell you one or two things and we'll, we'll sing, we'll sing something. I think you can leave it for now until we sing. Are you paying attention to me? Thank you. Okay. Um, we decided to write our own Christmas carol. And one thing that I decided from an early stage is that I'm not going to let... Just hold on for a while. I'll try not to let my pastoring... I want to fully express all the gifts God has given me. And one of them has to do with writing and song. And so, I want you to have an idea what was going through my mind when I was writing this song. I was thinking of all the Christmas carols of which my favorite switches every year. And all of them have got their own feel. And so my thought was, if I got an opportunity to join them, because I've also seen the star, except for me, I've seen the star in the spirit. So if I get an opportunity to join them, what would I do? And I thought I might as well write my own Christmas song. So I'd like to... Are we ready? Are you sure? Okay. So in about a minute... We'll begin. I'm just waiting for people to settle there and stop talking, and I'll be good.
I was not born two thousand years ago, but I know that you had me in mind, and by the Spirit I've seen the stars. So here I am. I said here I am, and I've brought you my Christmas song. How many are ready for this sermon now? Can we try to sing it together as they are putting this? Let's go. It's our very own. I'm not used to the hat. Am I okay? Okay. Wonderful. Woo. Good morning, City of the Lord Church. Are you ready for your Christmas sermon? So here I am. I brought you my Christmas song. Da la 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 whether people are, no matter what religion people are, none of them deny the holiday that comes with it. And so for me, it's so special. I take it so, so special. I, I overdo it. I, I decorate. I, do, I, I, I take it very special. Speaking of decor, this is a wonderful job. So here I am, and I've brought you my grace. So please, exaggerate it. Go extra. But don't forget Jesus, eh? Don't forget Jesus. Sometimes, like for me on purpose, I don't write the X on purpose. I, I just like to remind people, so I just do it on purpose. And so, uh, for those who are joining us for the first time here, we love to, we love to overdo Christmas Day, and we put on flashy outfits uh, and, and, and all that. It's, it's a special day for us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. Today's sermon will be a little 
different. I've been doing a series, but I'll continue it. I'll finish it up next week. But today, I want to take a different approach because it's my Christmas sermon, but I'm doing it in a very, in a very different way. And if I achieve my objective, which God willing, I will, there's a reverence you're going to have for, for God. So maybe let's just get one thing clear. There's so many arguments uh, as to when Jesus was born. There are some people who believe he was born in April because of some weather patterns that they studied and the shepherds being outside. There's still another argument that says he was born in December. He was born. Uh, hallelujah. The fact is he was born. Can we just agree on that one? The fact is he was born. So for me, everything else doesn't matter. So I, as a matter of fact, let me just show you something. Romans chapter number, uh, Colossians chapter number two, verse, is it verse 16? This is what it says. Colossians chapter number two, verse 16. I want you to read it on your own. Just for the sake of those who are bothered by people who criticize uh, such special events. One, two, three, go. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. Next verse. And it tells us why, because these things are a shadow of things to come. Let me show you another verse. Romans 14. Give me verse 5. 1, 2, 3, read. Too many movements. 1, 2, 3, read. Simple. So if I consider one day holier than another, and another person doesn't, praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't complicate your life. So, I wish you a Merry Christmas. And I love this day because it's an announcement to the world that there are millions of us and no one can bring us down. Today, we're going to look a bit at the nation of Israel because I want us to have a brief understanding of the Messiah. Can you imagine? You know, today I was, I was having a lot of thought. Too many movements, please. I was having a lot of thought. And in my thoughts, I was thinking about the atmosphere in that day. How were things like? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever noticed his book? Started his book. Let's go to the book of Luke. I want to show you the way he started his gospel. The gospel according to Luke, chapter 1. You can imagine the buzz that was there in those days. No social media, but there was a serious buzz. Jesus was trending. Can you imagine that? Then look at this. It says, In as much as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. Uh -huh. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things. Luke was a, you know, Luke was a doctor, right? He was a physician. And he decided because he had perfect understanding, he did some serious research. And so, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. What does that mean? It was a period, it was a period when, it was a period when everyone was talking about it. I mean, there were just rumors about, hey, what about this Jesus of Nazareth? 
Okay, he was crucified. How come we can't find his body? Okay, there's this. Okay, there's this. Okay, there's that. Okay, there's that. And so Luke said, you know what? I've researched on this. I've studied it from the first. Let me write it. Let me write you a letter. Let me explain everything from scratch to you. Let me explain everything from the top. And so, the reason I've decided to take the approach of just giving you a bit of insight of the nation of Israel is because I want you to understand the cultural setting in that day. I want you to understand what was going on in their minds. And maybe we'll have a bit more appreciation of the concept of a Messiah. I'm a very studious person if i'm to be honest with you and one thing that i love to understand is concepts i love to understand concepts by concepts what do i mean it means the thoughts that form your ideology and i believe everything runs by concepts are you ready? Are you ready? To your neighbor, I'm ready. So, I want us to have a bit of a thought concerning this nation called Israel, because you cannot deny Israel's importance. Do you know that Israel is the source of some of the biggest world controversies right now. They are found in Israel. If you watch the news, how many of you have noticed there's always news about the Gaza Strip and there's always fighting with that? I want us to have a bit of an appreciation and an understanding for the nation of Israel. I'll tell you why I want us to understand it. Because there's an aspect of your faith you will not be able to understand if you don't understand some little things about Israel. Let me show you what Paul says. Give me Romans chapter number 2, verse 29. Now, you know that Israel um, initially, usually when we're talking about Israel, we're talking about the Jews, right? But today you'll get to have an understanding. Give me verse 28. So Paul is talking and Paul wrote his gospel to the Gentiles who thought they were less than the Jews. They thought they were less than the Jewish Christians. And he says something. He says, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. You understand so. For the Jews, these are the descendants of Abraham. So the covenant God made with Abraham is that they had to get circumcised. Oh, and God does honor what he says. How do I know? How many of you have noticed that when Moses was about to go to Egypt, the Bible says God wanted to kill him? Who's ever read that? In the book of Exodus, when Moses wanted to go to Egypt, the Bible says God wanted to kill him. Then his wife cut off. Moses should have had better thought. The moment God came to him and said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he should have known he had to get circumcised. So during this period, there was an argument of the holy ones are the circumcised ones. Because, now I want you to see this, verse 29. This is what the Bible says about us. It says, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Paul literally called the Gentiles Jews. He told them that inwardly they are Jews. Now, why have I quoted this? Because the way God related with Israel physically And God still has promises for them and relations with them. So don't mind my tense. But it was a shadow of how God was to relate with us spiritually. 
Notice, Israel was in Egypt. Egypt is symbolic of under the dominion of Satan, under the dominion of sin. God delivers Israel out of Egypt. And when they are coming out of Egypt, they have to walk under the water. So not under the water, they have to walk on the Red Sea. And if you've read the description, it's as if the waters went like this and like this. Don't you think that's symbolic of baptism, water baptism? And after they walk through, they are now on a journey to the promised land. And if you've read Hebrews 4, that's symbolic of heaven. And on the journey to the promised land, they've got a cloud by day and a fire by night. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. What am I trying to say? The way God related with the Israelites physically was, was also very symbolic. It was a sign as to how he was going to relate with us. That's why. Do you remember the time when the Israelites rebelled? And then God tells Moses to get a serpent Remember, to, to make a bronze statue of a serpent. Do you remember that? And he said, whoever looks at the serpent, that person wouldn't die. Don't you think that was symbolic of Jesus dying? Someone would say, why a serpent? Don't you know he became sin? Don't you know he became a curse? He became sin on the cross. He didn't just carry sin. He became it according to Romans, uh, sorry, Second um, Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 21. So what I'm trying to say is that there's a huge appreciation you get about the Messiah when you've got a brief understanding of the Jews. So let me give you just a brief understanding. A brief understanding. God meets a certain man called Abram. And he tells him, and this man was an idol worshiper because his father was an idol worshiper. And during this period, I think Abram was from modern-day Iran, if I'm not mistaken. Not so. It was modern-day Iran. Either Iran or Iraq, one of the two. I think it's Iran. And during this period, the most predominant thing was Eastern religion. I want you to understand the religious setting. In those days, people were looking for God, and they believed Number one, that you had to have a different God for everything. So when they wanted to be fertile, they worshipped the God of fertility. When they wanted to be safe at night, they worshipped the God of the moon. When they wanted to be safe in the day, they worshipped the God of the sun. So people believed in having various gods to meet various needs. Because they knew they wouldn't just want fertility, they would also want prosperity. So they had a God of prosperity and they had a God of fertility. And it was believed that for you to appease this God, you had to offer a sacrifice. And the greatest sacrifice you could ever give is your son. If you are to give this God your son, by giving your son, it means you literally go and kill your son as a sacrifice to that God. If you are to give this God your son, then you really love him. Then you are really obeying him. I won't use the word love because I don't think they were in love with their gods. And so, God meets Abram, and God tells him something. God tells him, look, let's strike a deal. I'm going to bless you. I'll bless your people. You guys will be my people. I will be your God. Anyone who curses you will be cursed. Anyone who blesses you will be blessed. And Abram becomes the father of the Jews, but for a while he never had a son. Eventually he had his first son, but that was not the promise. He had his first son Ishmael, but that was not the promise. The promise was Isaac. And so Abraham has Isaac. He's now Abraham and he has Isaac. Have you noticed that when God, tell him, when God told him, come and sacrifice your son, it wasn't a very strange thing to him. Why? Because it was normal in that day for your God to demand the sacrifice of your son. It wasn't strange to him. It wasn't the weirdest thing to go and sacrifice your son. And he goes to sacrifice his son and God gives him a picture of what will happen to the rest of us. He says, no, 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 no. I don't need your son. I'll give you mine. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Keep your son. I'll give you mine. Can you imagine that? And so time goes on, and God tells him that your people will be in bondage for a while. So they were in Egypt for a while. Especially when a new king who knew nothing about Joseph came into play. Come on, we've read that, eh? And so they're in Egypt for a while. And then God sends a deliverer. God sends Moses. He leads them out of Egypt. I must mention something, though. For many of the Israelites, they had one problem. They left Egypt. But they still had too many little Egyptians in their head telling them what to do. Anything that happens, hey, I should just go back to my prostitution. Anything that happens, hey, I should just go back to stealing. Get Egypt out of your head. So the rule, <laughs> I'll tell you this. God has delivered you from Egypt, but you need to get Egypt out of your head. Get Egypt out of you. Hallelujah. And so God is with them. And eventually they conquered a certain land. And that land became their ancient settlement called Israel. Israel is the name of Jacob. That land was fought a lot. And God allowed certain things because the Israelites would rebel against him. They would hurt him. It was fought. So many territories have conquered Israel before. Let me give you a brief picture. Do you know why there's a lot of controversy over Israel? How many of you know that modern day Israel only came into play, is it 1948? Is it? 1948, eh? somewhere there. Do you know that before 1948, the nation Israel wasn't there? And the last time the nation Israel was there was 1,000 years before. Are you aware of that? There was a movement called Zionism. Zionism was a movement that was saying that the Jews, because what the Jews, this tribe, this race, this ethnicity called the Jews, first they multiplied a lot. God bless them. Then apart from multiplying, they settled in different areas of the world. And in these different areas of the world, they were usually blessed and doing well. That's why when they settled in Germany, Hitler was upset. Eventually, Hitler decided, let's fight these guys. They can't be doing so well everywhere. And so there was a movement called Zionism, where they were saying, okay, all you Israelites, who are, all you Jews who are scattered abroad, come back to our promised land, which is Israel. That was the movement. So they came back and a nation was born. That was the fulfillment of prophecy. Do you know that? Firstly, the scattering of Israel was a fulfillment of prophecy. The gathering of Israel was a fulfillment of prophecy. For who has ever seen a nation born in a day? Oh. One of these days, we'll, we'll look at certain prophetic events. It's scripture. A nation is born in a day. Who's ever seen that? That's what the Bible says. It starts by saying, when Zion travailed, she gave birth. For who has ever seen a nation born in a day? And the day Israel, the day the Jews conquered Israel and decided to declare that their nation is called Israel, and the UN backed, not the UN, the USA backed them. The moment that happened, six countries, is it six countries or more? But the entire Arab world started a war against Israel the same day. Imagine a nation has just been born. Then the entire Arab world is a war against you. Guess how long that war lasted? Six days and Israel won. Six days. So the controversy that's there now is that the people of Palestine say we were here first. But the people of Israel say, no, we were here first time. And the UN has studied different documents, not the Bible, not just the Bible, different documents of ancient writings, and they all prove that Israel had that land first. Now, Israel came under the Persian Empire. I just want you to understand, please. It came under the Babylonian Empire. It was conquered by Alexander the Great. 
and he came under the Roman Empire. These guys would destroy their temples and do all those things. I want you to imagine, do you know that between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew, do you know how many years were there? About 400. I want you to imagine for 400 years, you are all seated and you don't know what to do. You don't have your nation back. And then you start reading the prophets. And then when you read in the prophets, you are told that there is going to be a Messiah who will come. When this, one will, when this one is born, this one will conquer everything. So the Israelites all start laying in hope, waiting for a Messiah. So when you talk about a Messiah, I, I want you to think about a setting in those days. Do you know when Jesus was born in that time, it was under the Roman Empire? So I want you to think about the sitting in those days. They were sitting, waiting for someone to bring them hope. They were sitting, waiting for someone to deliver them from the Romans, to deliver them from the Persians, to deliver them from the Babylonians. They were sitting, waiting for this promised king. But little did they know that that king was not just going to be for their benefit, but for ours. Why? Because God had made a promise to Abraham. And maybe this is where I can start my scripture references. God had promised him something. They didn't know. And if you study, is it Romans 11? You pray for the Jews. Because you realize that God had to allow them to be blind to the Messiah for a while so that we can be saved. You pray for them. I want you to see Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. God had made a promise to Abraham that people didn't know. Look at what he said. He said, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. There was already a promise given that there was going to be this seed of Abraham. And later on, all the rabbis understand that this seed of Abraham was going to be in the David lineage. It was going to be the David lineage. And God is very... God is intelligent. Have you noticed that in the David lineage, on purpose, God included a Gentile called Ruth? Hello, we've not read Ruth and Boaz. Or when you read Ruth and Boaz, you just have the other interpretation. If you want your Boaz, you have to go lie down where Boaz is. Is that the, is that the only thing you see there? Have you noticed God was including the Gentiles? Wait, are there some people who don't know what Gentiles are? Gentiles are all of us. Hallelujah. <laughs> so can you imagine? God had prepared that through his seed, all nations will be blessed. And so the things that they went through physically were a sign of what was going on in the spiritual realm. That human beings were brought on this earth and instead of Persians, they were attacked by sin. Instead of, instead of Babylonians, they were attacked by Satan. Instead of uh, barbarians, they were attacked by sickness. And human beings were under the oppression of the elements of the world and under the oppression of Satan, under the dominion of darkness. But there was a Messiah promised. There was a Messiah promised. Because God gave a prophecy. Prophecy after prophecy. Did you hear the stuff the young adults did? They kept quoting prophecy after prophecy. God gave prophecy. And the prophecy was that when this Messiah would be born, that was it. The Israelites would be delivered. The only thing they didn't understand is that they thought he would come as a lion first, but he came as a lamb. He's coming again. How many of you know, how many of you have noticed from the Bible that Jesus did not actually finish all his assignments? He finished the lamb assignment. Can I show you? What was the first scripture he quoted? According to Luke, it was Isaiah, right? Is it 61? I want you to see this. Read Luke 4.18. It says, uh, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because, give me Luke 4.18. Uh -huh. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Go on. 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, he ended there. Is that where Isaiah ends? No. Look at it. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Uh -huh. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, comma, and the day of vengeance of our God. That one is coming. That one is coming. So I want you to think about this. The Roman Emperor the, and all those people, they had heard rumors that these Jews are waiting for the Messiah. So when the wise men said, we've heard that a king is born, can you imagine how alarmed Herod was? Because he knew, hey, if, if, if what they really said is true, and this person is born, then this person is the death of me. Little did they know that they were a physical, they were also a physical typology of what the devil was thinking. He was like, hey, if this one survives baby class, I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm gone. So what does he decide to do? He had a plot to kill him. He had a plot to kill him. Because it means, think about this, wrapped, as in within a manger, wrapped in a baby, like God wrapped himself in flesh. And in that baby lay the hopes of the entire Israel. But beyond that, what they did not understand is that it was beyond them. Because in that baby lay the entire hopes of the entire world. In that baby. I'm telling you. Someone would say, no, think about this. No man has ever made such an impact in the world. In a world of no social media, over 2,000 years ago, we still talk about him now. There are some people who are doing some very demonic thing. They're trying to make a movie portraying him a certain way. Some series portraying him a certain way. There is nothing they can do that can work. The others have tried before. Others have tried before. It is hard to kick against the gods. That's what Jesus taught for. It's difficult. You just can't manage. Do you know what that sentence means? It is hard to prick against the gods. It's like a cow. They put things on it for it to be able to walk straight. Those things have to mash up edges. So if you keep kicking it, you're hurting yourself. So all those people that are trying to fight this message, that are trying to fight this gospel, it is hard to kick against the gods. You failed when we were only 120 believers on earth. You failed when we're only 3,000. What makes you think you can manage when we're millions? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> and now the gospel has reached Africa. And some of, and you know Africa, we are radical. Hallelujah. <laughs> There's a, hey, I'll tell you something. This is me. Please note, this is me. There's a reason why when they attacked the Messiah, where did they hide? They came to Africa. I believe that was symbolic of what was going to happen in these ages. Some people thought it was colonialism. Little did they know they were coming to preserve the gospel here. And that's why we are now the missionaries. Go to all foreign countries. You'll notice if there is a church, it must be Nigerian, usually. Very soon they'll be saying, oh, Zambian. Because the... The Messiah was brought here. Now, <laughs> they, now they brought us basics. Now we don't retain the same age. I don't know if you're getting my point. Somebody, somebody say glory. The Messiah was, the gospel has been preserved in this continent. It's been preserved in this continent. And we're going back there to teach them <laughs> out of the mouth of babes. So let's, what was I trying to say? In that child lay the hopes of the whole world. That's why Satan inspired Herod. They killed all babies. Why would you kill an innocent baby? Because from a young age, Satan wanted him gone. Wanted him gone. And then when he was older, if you've read according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, it should be verse 6. 
7, eh? Look at this. It says, we, we teach the wisdom of God to those who are mature. Then verse 7. It's still, wait, verse 6. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are nothing. Uh-huh. Verse 8, verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. Satan thought he was getting rid of Jesus. Can't she was helping? It was all part of the plan. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. So, back to the story. What I'm trying to say is that all the prophecies God ever gave, all the promises God ever gave, all our hopes, people of God, that it can't be coincidence. It can't, no, it can't be a myth. How can, how can a little baby born in a manger become the reason why the whole world is going crazy? A little baby born in a manger. Surely Mary didn't fully know. Eh? <laughs> oh my God. It means I was thinking about it. Eh? To the Israelites, having a Messiah meant no more bondage. Having a Messiah meant they have a new ruler. The thought of a Messiah when they wanted to give up brought hope to the hopeless. And for me, I imagine that, that, that holy night. There are many prophecies about him, but I want us just to look at one. Have you gotten just a bit of an understanding of what it really meant to have a Messiah? He was their only hope. God was showing us that. He's our only hope. Jesus is the only way. Once people have tried other ways, they've not worked. Hollywood has tried to show us that the way to a happy life is romance. They keep divorcing each other among themselves. Oh, you 42 marriages. This one. They failed. There's no other way. They failed. Some countries in the West have tried to show us that it's about freedom. They are confused even about what freedom is. They don't know. No, they don't know. They don't know what freedom is. And you try to remove God from the streets. They keep stabbing each other, busy killing each other. Why? Because everyone needs a leader. Everyone needs a ruler. So Isaiah 9, verse 2. Like I said, what, how God related physically with Israel, you have to understand it because you have to understand how we've related spiritually with him. We're under the oppression, under the dominion of Satan, where his toys. But then there was a promise. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Hallelujah. If you're from back in the day, you'd be singing, Alalenda I'm sure she's happy I'm singing. I'm singing. Okay. <laughs> it says, we should modernize it. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light has shined. It doesn't matter which place you've been in. Imagine the Bible says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. These guys were dwelling there. Oh my. I don't know what you've dwelt in. Maybe some people here listen to me. Maybe you were born sick. You've dwelt in the valley of the shadow of sickness. Maybe you listen to me and you've had issues with your heart. You've dwelt in the valley of the shadow of sorrow. You've had issues. I was watching an advert on, I think, Super Sport, and it starts by saying, my grandfather was a palm, a palm maker. 
a pine, my, my grandfather was a pine one, a, a palm wine tapper. His father was a palm wine tapper. My father was also a palm wine tapper. And well, don't eat palm wine tapper. What I'm trying to say, some, some maybe listen to me and the biggest issue has just been poverty. You'd be in a better place had you had a better lineage with regards to money. There's been all this darkness and you've dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. Let's go on. But it says, upon them light has shined. Come on, take this as your word. Uh-huh. Let's go, let's go, let's go. It says, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Some may be asking, how come you guys are you're so zealous, you're so hyper, you're so excited. He's multiplied our joy. There's a great light that has shined and our joy. We can't hold it. We can't help ourselves. Let's go on. It says, for you have broken the yoke of his burden. And the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian, the yoke of your burden. The Bible is showing us what literally happened to us on that day of salvation. It says you have broken the yoke of his burden. That's why I can stand and say I'm not going to be affected by what some great, great, great grandfather did. Come on. The yoke of, the yoke of any burden is broken. That's why I can stand and say I'm not even going to be affected by what I did. Because the yoke of the, of the burden, it's been broken. I'm not going to sit down and be demonized by anything or be oppressed by anything because the oppressor has been dealt with. The road of the oppressor has been dealt with. Let's go on. How? Uh-huh. For every warrior's sandal, I want you to see this, people of God, this one. It says, for every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel fire. You know what this, you, wait, let me tell you what this is showing. Because this person has come, instead of their garments being used for blood, they'll not be used as fuel for fire. Can you imagine such a life? Why are all these happening? Let's read it together. With joy. Why? Oh my, you might get excited about that. So can you, <laughs> so can you imagine when that child was born, when that son was given, all my hopes, my deliverance, my liberty, my wealth, my forgiveness of sin, my glorification, my sanctification, my peace of mind, my peace in the heart. All my hopes were resting in that baby. Why? Because unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Listen, the theme of the season is Jesus. But the reason of the season is you. Listen, you are the reason for the season. Without you, he wouldn't have come. There was going to be no need. God decided to wrap himself up in flesh for your sake. And he says, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Next verse. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I was thinking about him and I was, I was just thinking, can you imagine if you've understood, like I said, if you studied, how many remember my teaching on the tabernacle? I taught on the tabernacle. How the tabernacle was the tent the tabernacle was the tent where people could have a chance to be exposed to God and then one day an angel comes and says you're going to have a child 
you're calling Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That means God was going to tabernacle on earth in a human being. The mystery of God. Sin of angels born in the flesh. Proof of God. If that doesn't excite you about this season where we're commemorating Christmas, I don't know about you, but you see, when, when I look at Jesus, because some of us have seen the star by the Spirit, and we go to that manger, what do you see in that child? My freedom was born. My deliverance was born. The righteousness of God was born. You know what that means? Somebody who would be God's solution to the world's problems. Somebody who would condemn the world of its ways. Somebody who would teach me how to live. My example was born. When I look that baby in the manger by the spirit, that was it for me. So you, you, you cannot blame me for going extra about such a day. He deserves his own special songs. He deserves his own special holidays. He deserves it. From now on, see beyond the rice and chicken. When you're about to eat that rice and chicken, say, Jesus, this one, I'm eating it for you. I'm nicely marinating it for your sake. Because you mean a lot to me. What I'm trying to say is that in that child lay the hope of all of us. I cannot but celebrate that night. It was too special. Close your eyes and lift your hands.